<clears throat> good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast in the class today is sponsored by Yosef Kosovsky, dedicated in loving memory of his grandparents, Leilui Nishmatem, Avraham Yitzhak Ben Benjamin Shmuel, and Rivka Bat David Alehem Shalom. As well, Lahavdil, uh, a Mazal Tov to the new second cousin, Avraham Meir, who would have been a great grandson, Mazal Tov. The Pasuk tells us, Save me from my brother from Esav, that he should not come and hit me, Em Albanim, a mother and her children. He should not destroy me and wipe out uh, my family. And our rabbis tell us, from my brother from Esav, that seems to be something which is extra. Everybody already knows if you've been following along in the Yaakov and Esav saga, you've seen episode one where the brothers are born. We know who's whose brother. It's not something we need to be reintroduced. From my brother from Esav. And the rabbis tell us something very, very interesting. That Yaakov was actually praying two almost separate prayers. One prayer was, Hatsileni miyad Esav, the obvious over here, that Esav is coming out to greet him. Esav is coming with 400 men. Yaakov, Davin to Hashem. Like many other uh, uh, you know, songs of Judaism, the song doesn't give you the whole picture. Okay? So Esav is coming to destroy him. He has 400 warriors. Um, and Yaakov is literally about to get obliterated. Yaakov prays to Hashem, please Hashem save me from the enemy. But he also prays, because my brother has the capacity, he has the propensity to act not as an enemy, but as a friend. And Yaakov Avinu understands that as insidious and as heinous, as the uh, challenge of Esav being an enemy is to the Jewish people's survival, so too, and perhaps even more so, is the struggle and the challenge of Esav as a buddy and as a friend. Whereas one threatens the existence of the Jewish people's uh, bodies, it threatens perhaps our safety, the other threatens our identity, it threatens our spiritual standing. So when you have the nations of the world telling you, hey, come on, join us, be a, have a great time, you'll marry our children, you know, we'll marry yours, you know, that kind of danger of closeness leads to the assimilation and eventually the weakening of Jewish roots, traditions, and heritage uh, to the point where it eventually becomes, uh, it disappears in and of itself. Rabotai, that is the two prayers that, Esav, that Yaakov utters. Now what's interesting is, Yaakov Avinu, in his preparation for this uh, Hydra-like uh, villain, this double-headed snake, this dual warrior, okay, that he's experiencing, in this preparation, Yaakov prepares for it with doing three things. He prepares for it for, with Milchama, he divides his camp into two and he's ready for, to take on uh, uh, Esav in a strategic way in a, you know, if it comes down to war. He also prepares for Doron. He prepares in the realm of giving Esav a present, which means uh, that he's trying to deal with uh, placating the enemy. And finally, as well, he, pre he prepares with Tefillah. So three things, Doron, Milchama, 
and tefillah. Now, it seems obvious that these three things that Yaakov does in preparation for Esav seem to be targeted at different eventualities. Okay? The war is targeting an Esav that's acting like an aggressor, like a warrior. Okay? He needs to prepare to fight against him. The other side of what he's worried about is Esav approaching him as a good friend, but perhaps the danger that's involved in that, right? So he prepares with Doron, with the present, to try and keep his brother calm, you know, in case he's actually coming the other way. And finally, he has a pr the prayers of Yaakov Avinu, which basically deal with each eventuality. And that's really what I wanted to speak with you about today. In, in, a, certain, in a certain element, Rabotai, these two states, the state of Milchama and the state of gift, the state of a gift, represent the two states of mind that a human being is in no matter what they are facing in their life. One part of their life is a part of war, when they feel that they are under attack, that the situations in their life, the relationships in their life, the jobs in their life, the growth in their life, the business in their life, is in a state of war. Nothing is going smoothly. Nothing is serenity. There's no minuchata nefesh. Everything is about conflict. And, and these areas of conflict is something that a person needs to go through. It's, always, it's never easy. It's never simple. It's never smooth. There's another state of a person's life, which is the state of doron, which is the state of a gift where you just feel like you're sitting back, I didn't need to earn this, it's almost as if someone came in and said, happy birthday, right, here you go, here's your gift, okay? These two states represent the two necessary states in a person's existence. Because Rabbi the Misilat Yisharim tells us that there is never a time that, are a, per that a person is not at war. What does that mean? Let's say a person is doing, very, doing terribly in their business. They are struggling to put bread on the table. That's a person who's at war. He needs to figure out a new opportunity. He needs to sign a new listing. He needs to fight with this person on price. He needs to fight to get products from the wholesaler. This person is constantly moving all over the place, trying to do all sorts of different things. That's a person who's in the state of milchama. But now let's say a person is not poor. He actually achieves great wealth. The war continues. It just changes its name. And what is fascinating to note is that while Yaakov Avinu looks at Esav in the beginning of the parasha as a monolithic, as two separate individuals, an individual who is his brother or an individual who is his enemy, one indicating milchama and one indicating gift, our rabbis tell us that when he fights the angel of Esav, the face of the angel, says the Midrash, keeps changing from a warrior to an old man, a kindly old man like a venerable sage, indicating to him, to Yaakov Avinu, that there is never a state in a person's life where they are not going to be at war. If you are poor, your war is in one area. If you are rich, your war is in the other area. Let me explain by way of an example. You have a guy who has his shalom bayit is shot. Why? Because he ain't bringing home the bacon. And no, that's not a pun about the guy, rabbi who found the pig at his front doorstep, right? This is just literally the guy is not bringing 
He's not bringing home enough food to eat. His wife is complaining. Why do we have to live like this? Aren't you supposed to provide? Isn't this your responsibility? Take care of the fed. Fighting all the time. Rabotai, now he makes a lot of money. Does that mean that he has shalom by in his home? No. Now his wife is fighting with him about how much money she wants to spend on her, on her, her new bag. Now the wife is fighting with him which vacation to go on. The fights remain Rabotai. The subject matter is what changes. That's what Yaakov Avinu learns from the Malach. So where is this realm of Doron, of, of gift? Where is this element of serenity, Rabotai? That is what Yaakov Avinu, the third element of his preparation for life, is tefillah. The concept is that with proper tefillah, a person can constantly be at war and yet feel in himself a state or an element of true menucha, of true serenity. Our lives are divided into these two elements, the six days of work and the days of Shabbat, on the time, the element of Shabbat. But Shabbat doesn't only exist on Shabbat. Our Gemara tells us about Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel that each of them, the whole week was preparing for Shabbat. One of them was searching the whole week to find the right uh, meat, the right food for Shabbat. So therefore they imbued the whole week with the thought of Shabbat. And the other one would buy something and if they found another nicer piece of meat, they would buy the next meat. They found a nicer piece of meat, they would buy the next meat. That was Bet Shammai. It fits because Hillel had less money, so he wasn't able to constantly buy new things. But the point is that each of them was trying to drag a little bit of Shabbat into the week. Us too, Rabotai, we too are capable of dragging the serenity of the time of no work of no struggle, Shabbat, you have no, you're going to shul, you're relaxing, you have, you have nothing to do. Put away your hammer, because all your work is done. There's nothing to do, Rabotai, on Shabbat. That feeling of serenity, understanding that there is nothing more that I can do, is sometimes the element of menuchata nefesh that is missing from people's war, from people's battles. But how do you get to that stage, Rabotai? The only way to do so is through the process of tefillah. Recognizing that if I give it up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if I give up and I understand that if I'm going to pray today, I'm going to say in my silent prayer that God is going to be the difference between whether or not I get corona. Of course, I have to wear a mask, but ultimately people with masks also got corona. Right? So who's going to decide if I'm going to get it or not? Borei olam, refa'enu, that's the beracha. Hashivenu. I think, you know, all the berachot of the, of the Amidah, I get it, right? Because you know what? Barachenu means Hashem, give us some business. I don't know what's going to be in, in my, you know, are they going to shut down my business? If I'm in travel, are they going to ground all the planes? You know, if I'm, if I'm in hospitality, are they going to allow the restaurants to open? Barachenu, Hashem, please help me, that's in your hands. But yet at the same time, we realize that if you look in the Amidah, it also says in the Amidah, Hashivenu, Avinu, Hashem, help me do teshuvah. Don't you think that that's your battle to fight? Why are you asking God for that? You do it. The answer is, Rabotai, that without the serenity, the menuchat nefesh that a person gets through their prayers, right, without recognizing that, there's never a war that you could win. 
None of your wars will ever end. Because the person can't take time, even while he's at war, to relax and enjoy himself. Let me give you an example of how a person can drag Shabbat into the six days of the week. Why are we working, Rabotai? We're working for our families. If we were just by ourselves, right, we could probably survive on a pair of Costco sweatshirts, you know, sweatpants, you know, a cheap pair of uh, shoes that we buy in Payless. You know, we would eat cold pizza. You know, we would probably survive on a lot less than if we didn't need to provide for our families, for our futures, right? We could probably do so. Rabotai, that means that what you're fighting for at work is you're fighting for the people you love or you're fighting for the future that you want to have, you want to enable. Stop sometime during the day and make the phone call home or even just contemplate, think about your wife, your children, your significant other, what you hope to achieve when you find that significant other. In each one of these cases, the person is taking a little island of Menuchat nefesh and bringing it into the war. Everything is like this, Rabotai. But the only way you can do that is if a person has the gift of tefillah within him. Too much war is a terrible thing. People lose themselves in the constant need to go and do and be. And, and by the way, not just in things of the flesh, also things of the spirit. Have you never met someone who so feels so guilty all the time about all the things he's doing wrong that he loses his actual connection to Hashem? Have you ever seen someone, I remember in yeshiva, when I first discovered one of these books that has the, each interpretation of every word in the Amidah. So I'm on Yom Kippur and it says Baruch, and then you look and it says a translation in Hebrew. Blessed is he. Ata, you, Hashem, Hashem, Adon, Elokeinu, Kulam, the God, Avotenu, the God, I knew every word, every interpretation, focused on the word meaning of every word, except that I forgot to pray. I did a tremendous amount of scanning. <laughs> a lot of different thoughts in my head. But I didn't, I lost, I was so busy in the world of thought that I lost the world of heart. It's too difficult to have both of those at the same time. That's the gift of being able to bring the, the doron, the matana, the gift, the feeling that I'm blessed no matter what I have, into the war. Because the war will always be there. If you don't have a job, or you have the best job. If you don't have a wife, or you have the best wife. If you don't have children, or if you have the best children. Ultimately, that war is always going to be there. And it's a necessary thing, Rabotai. Don't hate the game. Don't hate the game. The game is there for you. And I, I'll explain what that means. There was a rabbi, his name, was Rabbi Elia Kletkin. He was one of the great rabbis uh, um, in, uh, in Europe, in, um, in Lublin. And his mother had in the house a, a list of papers that traced the lineage of the family to so many tremendously great rabbis. One day, the mother saw that all the kids were sitting there looking over the list. Oh, where did we come from this one and we come from that one? We come from this one and we come from that one. The mother swoops in, she takes this unbelievably precious, she didn't have it saved on Google Docs, right? She takes this unbelievable, unbelievably precious sheaf of papers, listing, tracing back their lineage to all the great tzaddikim that they had come from. 
and she lit them on fire and she burned them in front of her children. How's that for drama? He said, Ma, what are you doing? That's our yichus. That's our uh, lineage. That, this is how we convince people to marry into the family. You know, this is, this is that, this is. And she said, I saw my children spending too much time looking backward, thinking that they're going to skate by on who their grandpa was. One of the greatest lines I ever heard was a chassid that came, came to his rebbe and he's telling him about all of the people who came before him. And he's an anical of this one and a grandson of that one. And the Rebbe told him, he says, don't tell me who your grandparents were. Tell me who your grandchildren are going to be. That's a war, Rabutai. It's a war, to, a constant thinking, constant effort. But if a person is not finding serenity, taking time to look down and see how far they've climbed, actually what winds up happening is the growth process is exhausting. And eventually it becomes something that you resent and that you drop. Rabotai, we should be zocheh in our lives, like Yaakov Avinu, to have a perpetual motion machine inside of us, constantly at war, constantly having a spiritual wanderlust. At the same time, we should also be able to take time to be able to stop and say, look at what I do have. What are the things that I do have? Someone came to my house once and they said to me, Rabbi, you know, I don't feel like I could come and visit your house. I said, why? He said, because you know, I'm not Shomer Shabbat and everything here is very spiritual and you guys are all keeping Shabbat and no one is using their phone and no one is this. And he said, he said to me, I feel like I'm contaminating your home. That's what he said to me. I feel like I'm contaminating your home. I said to him, Rochi, Right? I said, do you keep Shabbat? He says, I try. I don't use my phone. Sometimes if I have a very important message, I, you know, I use it. I said, well, how did you grow up? I said, your parents? He says, we never had Shabbat. We didn't have any holidays. We ate on Yom Kippur. So I said, so you're telling me that you came from that place to a place where you're keeping most of Shabbat, but you're struggling with your phone here and there because if you're waiting for a very important text, you might answer it. I said, how do you not see that that struggle is so beautiful? That you've probably moved the needle more than I've moved the needle in my life. I came from a place like that, so maybe I moved it a little bit. But I was keeping Shabbat when I was young, and I'm keeping Shabbat when I'm old. I said, you didn't contaminate my house. You brought such kiddushah. I'm not going to tell the guy to use the phone at the table, right? But at the same time, to recognize, to stop to recognize how far I've come. Rabotai, I think sometimes the Yetzirah also acts as an adversary. And he beats you up and he makes you feel horrible. But then there's another adversary of the Yetzirah when he sits with you on your couch and has a beer. And you know, we know friends always start a conversation and you always know the conversation's going south. When the friend says to you, can I be honest? Shema Yisrael. Hashem should save us from can I be honest or from let's be honest because what are you always thinking when you hear that? What were we being before? That's always what you're thinking, right? Can I be honest? Then you know they're about to tell you you did this wrong, you did that wrong, it's not fair, it's not right. One of the greatest tricks of the Yetzirah is that he doesn't come and tell you that you're a terrible person. He makes believe like he's your best friend. 
inside yourself, you think that you think positively about you. You are your own good friend. And then once you're in, once you're in, then you start killing yourself. I should have done this, and I should have done that, and how am I not doing this, and I'm a terrible person, and the feelings of guilt. Now, if you recognized that you're a negative person, if you recognized that you're very cynical, you don't take your cynicism or your negativity that seriously, because you know you're a negative person. But when you think that the Yetzirah is your friend, and actually, we're buddies, this is someone who really does know me, it's not cynicism, it's not negativity, it's true. In that instance, Rabotai, the Yetzirah wields a very sharp, wields a very sharp sword. May Hashem bless us all to have this gift of being able to constantly move forward, to be able to burn the papers of what came before us so that we become worthwhile per people in and of our own selves and in and of our own merits, but at the same time as well that while we're constantly fighting to improve more, that we always feel, always feel like we are valuable, like we are good, like we are special, that we are capable. And through that process, we'll be healthy enough to fight on and fight forward for many years to come. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.